uh, asked me just to finish off this series today on it and its encounters with uh, Jesus. Well, encounters with God through Jesus. And it's an amazing thing if we spend any time at all thinking about the person of Jesus and how for those three years of ministry, um, how he interacted with people and whether they knew it at the time or not, and most of them didn't, but they had a little bit of an inkling that they were dealing with God of the universe. And it's just an amazing uh, thing. And the title of the um, uh, sermon today is He Is Risen. And I want to, another first today for me is um, using um, technology. So from your Holy Bible app that you might have on your phone to um, a few uh, screen slides as well. I want to thank Carl for uh, helping me through that because I'm a little bit more free range usually in what I say and um, um, Carl, you were really good in tying me down yesterday (laughs) afternoon (coughs) and ringing me and saying, give me something, Steve, you know, I've got to put something on these, I've got to put something on these uh, uh, slides. And... Um, the title for today is He is Risen, and it's usually something that we do um, at Easter time. We go around and we talk to each other and we say, He is Risen, and you, know, you say back, He is Risen indeed. But we're focusing on a little bit of that um, this morning. And I just want to pause for a minute. And I-, I was just thinking about this whole He is Risen thing, and Hannah mentioned this morning freedom. And I thank Hannah, oh, there you are. <laughs> uh, I want to thank Hannah for doing that because what the Lord has given us through his resurrection is freedom, the power of sin that holds us to our guilt, that holds us to our shame, to our regrets, holds us to our poor choices is broken. And we have as much freedom uh, in this in this world as this imperfect world allows. And it's I'm sure that you'll agree with me that part of the Christian journey, it's not about rules and regulations. It's not about um, a particular way that we have to live all the time. But what it is, it's just this amazing sense of freedom. Yes, we might have a few questions about um, living our lives, but in terms of, well, where do we go when we die? Is there life after death? Is there really a God who cares? Those things are answered through the freedom that we have. So in our previous, um, uh, in our previous looks at encounters with God through Jesus, we've been concentrating mostly on how Jesus reacted to the people and, and, how, and what he said and what he did in terms of... Uh, those people that he met, and they might have been uh, meeting for healing, they might have been meeting for uh, meeting Jesus to find out what the secret of eternal life was. But this morning, I want to concentrate a little bit on, uh, and mostly the women. So, fantastic women, you the got you you led the way. There's there was obviously um, quite a few men and women going to and from the tomb that morning that third morning, but um, uh, from what we can glean from each of the four Gospels, it does seem as though the women played a major part and they were the first ones there. I'm not sure what the men were doing. Um, If it's anything like my house in the morning, um, I wake up and I say that I'm hungry and Leslie says, really? Um, I said, 
uh, you know, I could really do with some breakfast and um, I don't hear any, you know, I don't smell any coffee and stuff like that. And she said, well, who's going to do it? And I said, well, somebody should be doing it. <laughs> um, and being the gracious, amazing woman that my wife is, she, she gets up first. She gets up first and then I come down later. So I imagine that's what the men were doing. Okay, so the first thing we notice is that the women were up first and it seems that they were getting a few spices together, they were getting a few things together uh, in terms of treating the body of Jesus. How they were going to um, uh, pull back the, or wind back the, uh, the rock, uh, the, the Gospels don't uh, allude to that. But there might have been a little bit of an inkling, there might have been a little bit of a memory for these women when Jesus was talking to them over the three uh, years that the women and the, and the disciples were around, that there was something about this third day, there was something about this idea of um, uh, rising from the dead. So I think they probably went out with a, a little bit of a sense, a little bit of a sense of hope. And we read that there was a... There we go. There was a violent earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. And his appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. And uh, it's interesting that the guards were so afraid that they pretty much, um, uh, they shook and became like dead men and the women were just standing there. So it's really good, isn't it? You know, that to me... That, that's, showing real, that's showing real courage. They weren't put off by this violent earthquake. And um, so the, the angel said to the women, don't be afraid for I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, he is risen just as he said and that would have twigged their memories a little bit. And I said, oh yeah, maybe he did say that. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see, uh, there you will see him. And uh, the verses that we're going to be looking at predominantly today are verses 8 and 9 where it talks about what the women did. So we're looking at, in fact, there's five responses... Okay, there are five responses that um, the women, um, uh, the women undertook or the women exhibited when it came to uh, first of all the um, message that Jesus had risen, and then what they did when Jesus uh, actually appeared to them. And we read in verse eight that uh, apart from the um, or in spite of the violent earthquake, in spite of the stone being rolled away and the lightning and the guards pretty much dropping down um, as though they were dead, they did. And then this message for the women from uh, the angels, the women hurried away. And I really like the emphasis, Anna, that you put on um, on this verse, and especially the bit where it says the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy. Okay, so they had, they definitely had an inkling that something amazing 
had happened and the angel had given them some reassurance there. So they were afraid and yet filled with joy and they ran to tell the disciples. Now I don't imagine it's a nice concrete pathway with handrails and everything uh, leading up to the tomb and back again. It's probably over some pretty rocky, inhospitable ground but despite that, the women ran. They were keen. They understood the urgency of getting the news out. And it made me think about um, kingdom opportunities and uh, it's something that sort of Leslie and I have been thinking a lot about this year, about this whole idea of kingdom opportunities and maybe praying specifically for kingdom opportunities at the start of each day and whether we're making the most of those kingdom opportunities. Do we have a sense of urgency about the fact that we've got the answer to life's problems but the person that we're talking to probably hasn't and whether uh, we are uh, ready in and out of season. Let's have a look. Um, There it is. Fantastic. Thanks, Carl. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. So 2 Timothy 4.2 is talking about being ready uh, whether, we're not, whether we're ready or not, okay? We've got to uh, look out for those kingdom opportunities. Sometimes they come quite unexpected, unexpectedly and we've got to be ready. We've got to have that sense of urgency. And we've got to have... We might be a bit afraid. We might be a bit afraid, but deep down we're filled with this feeling of freedom that we have through um, the resurrection and we're, we're filled with this deep joy and peace or should or should do and we want to share that and it might be as simple as just praying with that person um, I love I love long weekends as a car dealer um, because what happens is people break down you know <laughs> on the highway and they can't get the parts that they want, so they've got to buy a car. <laughs> and who's there to help them? Who's the, closest, <laughs> who's the closest car yard to the service centre where people mostly break down? So that's what happened on Friday. And I, I, tr- I tried to shed tears with them because they were pretty upset. Um, but look, they were pretty stressed, but they bought a car from me. I was happy. They weren't, but anyway. Um, but look... I said, I will pray for you. They, had to, they said, will this car get me to Echuca? Okay, they, they were going from the central coast to Echuca. They said, will this car get me to Echuca? I said, probably. Okay. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, but um, I just said, look, um, and, and they were both unwell. They, they were, try- were travelling to Echuca to start a new life and so on. And... Um, but they were, too, they were too stressed really for me to, to pray with them. But I said, I will pray for you as you travel to Echuca. And even saying that, that was just a, might have been a little bit of a cop-out. Maybe I should have prayed with them. But just, just the fact of the mention of prayer and so on, I just felt that that was the right thing to do in that particular um, situation, to take that, uh, take that opportunity and 
not just let it pass by. Okay, so that's the first response and um, um, Carl suggested a heading of now or later question mark and really it has to be now. We have to be ready in and out of season. The second uh, response was that um, they did understand a little bit. They did understand a little bit and they understood that perhaps something uh, big had happened. They weren't quite sure what it was but there was that element of joy. In, am in amongst the fear and being afraid, there was that element of joy that maybe something really special um, had happened. So they, they only understood one little bit, okay? They only, only understood one little bit of what they should be doing next. They didn't interrogate the angel and say, what do you mean he's not here? Okay, initially, one of the, um, uh, in one of the other Gospels, um, Mary is quoted as saying, where have you taken him? Okay, but as the angel spoke to them, okay, it was just one small part of the puzzle for them, I guess, but it was enough for them to hurry away to do what they were asked to do to go and tell uh, the male disciples who were just getting out of bed um, about what had happened. But, you know, sometimes we want to know the whole picture. And if you're, following along in your, uh, if you're following along in your notes, there's an example there of um, uh, a jigsaw. Most of us are not happy to do a jigsaw unless we've got the whole picture in front of us, you know, the, the top of the cardboard box. We're not happy to start the jigsaw, okay, unless we've got that. And if we haven't got it, we say, no, I don't, I don't even know what it's about. But these women were happy just with that one little picture, okay, just with the, just with the piece of the jigsaw that they had been given. And so I've, I've heard it described as um, it's not very often that God gives us the whole picture and saying, this is what's going to happen in your life. And you go, great, I trust in you. Okay. Usually what happens is he just gives us a little picture. He gives us the, just the next step. And I've heard, it, I've heard it described as going from one lamppost, the light given out by a lamppost, going from one lamppost to another okay, on our journey. And we've got to be prepared to step out of one pool of light and we've got to be prepared to go over to the second pool of light under the next lampstand. We've got to be able to um, have that faith. And it made me, of course, think of um, Peter when Jesus called him out um, uh, from the boat to walk, actually walk on the water. And while he was looking down, he wasn't going anywhere, was he? He was sinking. It was only when he looked... Uh, it was only when he looked at Jesus' face and said, yes, I'm willing to trust you and ac actually looking Jesus in the eyes that he was able to, uh, to walk to Jesus. And it reminded me of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, which says, fixing our eyes on Jesus, 
the pioneer and perfecter of the faith. And I learned it in the old versions uh, where it was the author and finisher of our faith. Okay, author and finisher. He's really all we need. He was the one that uh, instigated faith in the first one. He's there already at the end of our lives um, with uh, faith. And for the joy set before him, there's the word joy again, set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. And after the resurrection, he sat down at the right hand of God. And it's um, just a truly uh, amazing thing. So we don't need the whole picture. Those women didn't have the whole picture. They only had one piece, but they were they were pretty happy to uh, get up and, if you like, run with it. All right, so um, number one, of the five responses, a, a, a response of urgency. Then there was a response of trust. The third one um, came about when... Jesus just appeared to them and um, um, my NIV says greetings. So Jesus just pops out of, he, he just appears and goes greetings. I thought surely he said more than that. I had a look at the message and, it's, and it said that he said good morning to them. Um, I'm sure he might have been a bit more uh, casual than that. He might have said g'day girls, how's it going? Okay, certainly... Uh, uh, but anyway, the, it had... What was that? The ladies. The ladies. <laughs> okay. So the women hurried away. They were filled with joy. Uh, they were afraid yet filled with joy and ran to tell his disciples. But all of a sudden, in the pathway comes Jesus and he says, Greetings. And this is verse 9. And they came to him and they clasped his feet and they worshipped him. So... He was a friendly face and Jesus is a friendly face. He's not, he's not unapproachable. You know, and how personal do we get with Jesus? They recognised him first off. They knew it was Jesus. Um, later on in one of the other uh, Gospels, we read the story of um, uh, the two men uh, walking along the Emmaus Road and Jesus appeared to them and they didn't recognise him. But these women had that element of faith, that element of joy. Okay, They weren't perhaps as downcast as those men on the Emmaus Road and they recognised him. They knew it was Jesus and they came to him. And how often in our day-to-day lives do we make time for Jesus? that we actually do come to him. And not only did they come to him, but they worshipped him. So it's important every day to be able to recognise Jesus. And sometimes in amongst the busyness of our lives and all that we've got on in our minds... It's like when all of a sudden you're, you're out uh, putting the garbage out at night, okay? And it's dark, and it's cold. You didn't want to put the garbage out, but you think, no, no, I'd better do it, okay? 
And then on the way back from the garbage bin, because ours is actually in the shed, we actually stop for a second and we look up at the night sky. And then all of a sudden our perspective changes, doesn't it? Okay. And um, we recognise just how small we are. We thought we were just going to empty the garbage. The next thing you know, we're worshipping God because we're looking up at the sky. Okay. So it's important to have moments like that uh, each day where we can uh, have time with the Lord and then sometime, sometimes the Lord physically or, or, um, or verbally speaks to people. Some, some people have that ability to really discern Jesus' voice. Other times it's through our circumstances that Jesus speaks to us. Sometimes it's through a Christian friend that might say the right thing or something uh, that we read in God's word but it made me think am I spiritually mature enough now at 57 and and having been uh, a Christian for uh, 40 odd years am I at the stage where I can recognize uh, Jesus when he's talking to me because if I'm not there's something wrong okay I've got nothing to offer people if I'm 57 years old and I can't Um, uh, make the most of a kingdom opportunity or I can't um, trust in just one uh, one part of the jigsaw uh, of my life. If I can't do that, if I can't recognise Jesus when he's speaking to me, there's uh, there's something wrong there. And it made me think of, uh, it made me think of Daniel and Daniel was a really good dude okay three times a day he only had he only had a jigsaw piece of god's whole plan for humanity he only had perhaps the um uh one or two of the books of uh moses moses you know the first part of the old testament but that was enough for him to pray three times a day and when the pressure was put on in other words a decree was put out that he wasn't to worship God or people weren't to worship God anymore they were only to worship King Darius what did he do did he did he knock did he stop praying three times a day no the pressure was on okay and he still prayed three times a day so as I say he only had a small uh, jigsaw piece of his life and his life in God and God's plan for humanity but he was still praying three times a day to get to know um, uh, God the Father at that at that point really amazing uh, really amazing fellow well well worth a read of the book of uh, Daniel the fourth so the fourth uh, response, so we, had, um, uh, so we had the sense of urgency, we had sense of trust from um, the lady, from the women. Um, they were, the, the third response was that they recognised Jesus. The, the fourth thing that they did really before, uh, apart from him saying greetings or good morning uh, to them or ladies, as Daniel says, he might, they might have said, he might have said, okay, they came to him, they clasped his feet and worshipped him. 
So what, were they, what was their response? It would be being humble, wasn't it? Okay, being humble. And that's probably one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest issues we have these days with our lives of self-importance and our lives of um, saying, um, well, hopefully we don't say this too much, but, you know, it's all about me. I'm the one that's got to be... I'm the one that's important. I'm the one um, that needs to be looked after. Okay. The only thing that we should be... um, proud of is the fact that we are children of God through um, Christ's death and resurrection. That's the thing that we can say um, uh, that we are very clear on. We are a child of God and we sang that this morning and it's so encouraging. So if we want to boast in anything as Paul says, I'm going to boast in the fact that I'm a child of God. But there's the wrong type of boasting and there's the wrong sort of pride where every time we pray in the morning, and I, I can't remember who said it, somebody said it recently and it's resonated with me ever since, our prayers every day should not be, uh, Jesus, this is what I want you to do for me today, please. It should be, what can I do for you? Okay. So everything else that we've got on our list Um, is of secondary importance. If we seek first the kingdom of God, as it says in Matthew 6.33, if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added to us anyway. So all of that list that we had of things that we wanted Jesus to do for us that particular day are going to be done anyway. We've actually got to be saying to to Jesus in in our opening prayers as we open our eyes in the morning is... Lord, what can I do for you today? Not the other way around. Not, here is what you can do for me today, Jesus. All right? And what was interesting too about the women is they clasped, they actually bowed down and so much so that they actually clasped his feet. That's pretty humble, isn't it? That is really humble. Okay? Because what in those days, what what colour are people's feet? What do they smell like? They wear they wore open top sandals most of the time, pretty stinky, okay. But they clasped his feet and they bowed down and they worshipped him. And I've been I grew up in a very sort of conservative uh, church where. Um, Showing any emotion in worship was sort of frowned on. Uh, in fact, uh, we were to sing without any musical accompaniment whatsoever, okay? Because an organ was an idol that would distract us from from uh, uh, from Jesus, and and so any emotion showed in worship was frowned upon. Any kneeling was frowned upon, okay? Certainly, nobody put their arms up in the air. Okay, gosh, I don't know what would happen if you did that. Um, but you can see right through, right through the Old Testament and New Testament, people bowed down, people had musical instruments, people danced and carried on. And we see, <coughs> um, we see with these women, 
that they had no issue whatsoever about bowing down at Jesus' feet and putting their their heads on his feet. So how, how willing are we, even today, to open ourselves up to, um, to true worship? And that might mean putting, that might mean that uh, we put our arms in the air. That might mean that we get down on our knees. But sometimes we've just got to do that. We've just got to do that. To, to be humble in that way, just, it might be, you know, get off your, get off your chair in, in the lounge room, your office desk, get down and, uh, and kneel, on your, uh, kneel on your chair. It might be getting out of bed and kneeling next to your bed. It does make a difference. That physical sign of humility is just as important as, um, uh, as your heart and it really helps you. And I'm learning, uh, and I'm learning to do that. And the and the, the the verse that came to me was John four twenty four. God is spirit, and His worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. And you could write a whole book about what does worship in the spirit means, but to me, it just simply means opening yourself up completely to the Lord. And um, certainly physically uh, worshipping and changing the whole way in which you pray, in which you read the word, uh, can really help. And a simple way of doing that is simply getting on your knees. If if we're in corporate worship like we were this morning um, with the worship team, it might be putting your arms in the air, okay? It might be kneeling as well. And thanks, Andrew, very much for um, your input today. That was fantastic. That was a box drum. You might have noticed I quickly picked up and I thought, I'm going to thank Andrew for his input this morning. I thought, but what do you call that thing? And I thought, oh, I'm going to Google box drum. And that's what, that's what it's called. It's called a box drum. So thanks for that, Andrew. That was really good. That, that really uh, was, was fantastic. It really set the scene um, for me anyway in being able to uh, worship at least a little bit in the spirit through your input. So thanks, Andrew. That was fantastic. Okay, so the, the, um, the fifth and final response was um, following um, the lead of Jesus. So... Um, they had a sense of urgency, they had a sense of trust, they had a sense of um, maturity in that they were just starting to understand that something very important was happening. They had uh, the response of being humble and the last thing that the women did was uh, followed his lead and Jesus said to them, don't be afraid, focus in on the joy that's happened, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and they will see me there or, or, or there they will see me. And verse 11 says, uh, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priests everything that had happened. So they obviously recovered from their near-death experience. Okay. Um, all right. And, uh, and off they went. But much more importantly... 
the women went on their way. And then we have a progression, uh, it seems, from then on where Peter and John, I think it is, come and they have a look in the tomb and they can't, they can't believe it and they go through the, the whole process that the women did in terms of starting to understand a little bit about what happened and they went from strength to strength after that. Okay, so Jesus said, don't be afraid, go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee, they will see me there. And so they followed, um, they followed the leading uh, of, uh, of Jesus. He gave them um, a command. The angel had already given it uh, to them, but that was reiterated by, by Jesus himself and how amazing it was. And um, as I say, they followed his lead with very little to go on. Remember, they just had a piece of the jigsaw. They believed him and followed his instructions. Now, how much of the Bible did they have? They had about... Yeah, they had, they had that much. They had that much. Okay. How much have we got? We've got the whole lot, pretty much. Okay. The only thing we're waiting for is the second coming okay, of Jesus and then the story will be complete. But as far as um, salvation goes and the plan for salvation, we've got the whole lot. Okay? So how are we going with his instructions? Okay? We've got all of this, all of this amazing teaching in the New Testament and we've got all this amazing uh, invitation to the, having freedom in Christ and having, uh, and having an amazing life at, right now uh, uh, to be able to live victoriously and then we've got eternal life and, and that's all described in the second half of the book that these women didn't have, that these first disciples didn't have and they in fact became a very integral part of the story of salvation. And so that made me think about the importance of Scripture. And 2 Timothy 3.16, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. It's all we need. It's all we need. And we should be obeying those instructions. We haven't got Jesus physically in front of us today, telling us to go and tell the disciples, telling us to go and tell the world um, about the uh, risen Saviour. But we've got the Holy Spirit, who is God also, teaching us, saying, this is what this means, Stephen. Go and do it, for goodness sake. Okay? Stop mucking around and get out there and do it. And so... In uh, Matthew 28, we see those amazing women. There was Mary Magdalene. There was Mary, um, who was, the, I think, the sister of Jesus' mother, Mary. I don't know how you get on with two Marys in the same family. But anyway, um, and what they were doing is they had so very little of the story, but they went ahead and uh, stepped out in faith and trust and 
along with the disciples, changed the world forever. And so how are we doing? How am I doing? They lived for him. Are we? Are we taking enough of the story? Are we taking uh, enough of um, God's word and putting it into action every day? Are we taking enough or, or taking advantage of those kingdom opportunities that we can uh, that we can pray for. Are we praying in the morning, what can we do for you, Lord, rather than what the Lord can, can do for us? All right, let's pray. Lord, what an amazing God you are. Lord, you've dealt with sin. The power of sin's broken. Lord, we can live in freedom from guilt, shame, regrets, poor choices. But Lord, it doesn't end there. You ask us to do things. Lord, you've given us your word and in that word, Lord, there are ways in which you want us to live. There are things that you want us to do. And most important of those things, Lord, is to share the story, to share the testimony of our lives, to share what you have done in our lives and what you can do in the lives of others. So, Lord, help us uh, each. Help me, Lord, to be much more driven, to be uh, prioritising you above everything else, as these women did, Lord. Even though they only had a tiny part of the story, Lord, they obeyed you. They exhibited trust and faith in you. They exhibited the humility Lord, that we need to uh, truly be sons and daughters of Christ. And they ran, Lord. They were a little bit afraid, but they ran mostly, Lord, with joy to tell the story. And Lord, help us to do that, we pray. In your very precious name. If you've been blessed and encouraged by this message, we'd love for you to become a part of the Ask Baptist family. Log on to ycbc.church to find out more.